So Money episode 630, Melissa Griffin, entrepreneur and host of Pursuit with Purpose. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Raise your hand if you think making a million dollars would make your life better. I'm half raising my hand. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. This is So Money. Today's guest earned seven figures in one year running a successful online business pretty recently. That's great, right? Well, if you ask her, it's a little complicated. Our guest, Melissa Griffin, recently rediscovered her passion and her purpose by achieving financial greatness and then realizing, you know what? It's not all that. She opens up about her story of self-discovery and the changes she made to ultimately reach real fulfillment. A little more about Melissa. She is an entrepreneur who began her career working as an expat in Tokyo teaching English. She then began a blog called The Nectar Collective. It was mainly a creative outlet. Months later, her blog became a full-time job. She moved back to her home in California to grow the blog, which then led to a business by the third year, earning Melissa a million dollars in revenue per year through her blogs and her e-courses. But as Melissa explains, and you'll hear very soon, sometimes making a lot of money is an important wake-up call that maybe you should change your life. Here's Melissa Griffin. Melissa Griffin, welcome to So Money. How are you? I'm awesome. Thanks for having me, Farnish. Yeah, catching you all the way from... You're in Venice, right? California? I am, yeah, in Los Angeles. You are born and raised California. I had the opportunity to actually meet you in New York a short while ago and earlier this summer. And everyone, Melissa is like the most Zen person you will ever meet. You have a wonderful aura about you. And it's no doubt that you have created a massive, massive online following. Soon to be mainstream famous, I think. I think you have all the qualities for being just a superstar all across all platforms. But um, you. you're welcome. I, I really mean that. You know, you just have this very authentic, I know that's an overused word, but you really personify authenticity and and delight. And I really enjoy getting to know you. And I wanted to bring you on the show to share more about share your wisdom, but also you have a very interesting personal story about how you've come where you are. And along the way, there have been ups, there have been downs, there have been sideways. So today, currently, right, you're the, you run um, a very successful online program, um, a few online programs. You teach online courses for entrepreneurs. You um, have a podcast as well. And it, this all started with you sort of finding your voice online, finding your kind of just sort of tinkering with the internet and finding your skill set thrive on Pinterest, right? That's kind of like yeah. where it all um, yeah. it started transpired. At- so take us back many years um, to where you were and what kind of led you to the online empire that you've built today. 
Sure. So I started it when I was living as an English teacher in Japan, of all places. Um, I kind of was just looking for a creative outlet and decided to start a blog for fun and was talking about self-development and creativity and then started to see all these other bloggers online who were earning money from talking about things that they're passionate about. And I was like, I could probably do that. So I started monetizing my blog and, and trying to earn money with different avenues and mediums and eventually decided to start selling graphic design services. So I was um, kind of using the skill that I had had and, and worked on throughout my life as more of just a hobby design and turning it into this business that I had for a couple of years. Eventually, that business grew quite a lot and I was getting a lot of clients through mainly my blog readers and people who read my blog and, and then decided to hire me as a designer. And then a couple years ago, I decided that I I didn't really want to do design forever. And it wasn't really my purpose or my main passion. So I decided to start teaching again. I, I actually started as an English teacher when I created my blog and went back to teaching, but this time in the form of online courses. So I released my first course called Pinfinite Growth, which is about Pinterest marketing. And since then, I've released a few other courses. I have a membership site now, but everything is geared towards helping entrepreneurs and bloggers really take that passion and the skills that they have and find ways to monetize it successfully with strategies that are working now. So essentially, you went from a blogging to building a business, following your passion um, to a point where very successful, seven figures, million dollar mark um, revenue with this with this online um, with all your online services. But I but I do remember you saying when I met you that despite all the successes that you were having on paper, monetary success, you were not super fulfilled. What? was missing? And how did you go about filling the voids? Right. So in my first, or sorry, in my third year of business, I, like you said, we earned over a million dollars selling online courses. And I kind of had this vision that like, once we hit this benchmark, everything is going to be great. And maybe a lot of other people have that idea too, where it's like you earn a million dollars or you get a promotion at work, or you get to date this person who you think is awesome. And you think that everything is just going to be fantastic at that point. And, and then you'll be happy. But I started to realized that the more I chased money and the more I chased more and more money, it wasn't fulfilling to me. And the benchmark and the finish line really just kept moving and moving. So it was like I would set a goal for myself and then hit that goal. And I would never feel that feeling of fulfillment. It wasn't like like I was excited about hitting it. It was more that now I was looking to what's next and, and what else could I be doing to hit a bigger goal. And throughout that whole year in 2016, I just felt like I was kind of losing my sense of identity and losing that sense of why I started my blog and my business in the first place, which was to spread self-development and creativity and, and really just help people and create community online. And the more I chased these outside goals, the less I was connected to that overall vision. So I had this kind of turning point. I went to a conference that was uh, very self-development focused. And there was one speaker who was actually a spoken word artist and was basically just talking about 
are how we as a society chase money and chase these kind of outer um, levels of fulfillment rather than finding that core fulfillment or giving back and doing all of these other things. And it just, for whatever reason, really resonated with me and hit me when I needed it. And from that moment, I really decided to change things in my business. So one of the first things that we did was we started planning a big fundraiser, uh, which we did in early 2017. And for that fundraiser, I basically gave away all of my courses in exchange for donations. So if someone made X amount of a donation, like $100, then they would get certain courses of mine. Or if they made a $200 donation, they'd get other courses. And in about two weeks, we were able to raise $120,000 for charity. And to me, that really sparked this, this kind of revolution in my business of seeing that we can do so much good if we focus on money, but using money to affect change and good in the world. So we've been doing that. We also started a podcast called Pursuit with Purpose, which um, it is very much about helping entrepreneurs, not just learn the strategies to grow their business, but also to create a well-rounded, purpose-filled life. So we're trying to find different ways to create that sense of community and help entrepreneurs and just people in general live really good, fulfilled lives and not fall into that rat race of competition and comparison that's so easy to fall into. I love this trajectory. I love that you pivoted in such a real and and impactful way using money to affect change. And then comes the podcast. And then what have you been discovering through your interviews? Because I think this theme of lack of fulfillment, feeling run down, unhappiness in the entrepreneur community is runs rampant. But is it all for the same reason? Is it just that we're following the wrong... we're, We're pursuing our quote unquote, passions for the wrong reasons. We think that money is going to make us happy. It doesn't. Or is there more to it? Are there other kinds of stories you're hearing? Yeah, I think it depends on the person. It might not be that they're chasing monetary fulfillment. It might be that they want to have more fame or other people just really work hard on their business just because they want to grow the business and then their health deteriorates. They end up in the hospital or they just never see their family. So it shows up in different ways. And it's not always because people are chasing more money, but it is often because people are chasing whatever that kind of fairy tale vision they have of what success is um that's what they're they're chasing and then kind of they realize that it's not all it's cracked up to be and they have to really work on their whole life instead of just chasing this one thing that they think will bring them everything it sounds like you really have to be in tune with yourself to know and admit that something's not working and it can you can feel almost like it's 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 a weird feeling, right? Like you're so successful, you've made over a million dollars and you're not happy. Is something wrong with you? Is something wrong with the approach? Is what is going wrong? And I'm curious to know, Melissa, like what were some of the deep thoughts you were having? What was the what were some of the signals to you that that this was not a way to go? That that something had to ultimately change because your health and happiness was on the line. Right. I think the biggest thing for me was just, 
I remember having a launch of one of my courses in December 2016, and it was the biggest launch we'd ever done. Um, we made hundreds of thousands of dollars from that single launch. And I remember just looking at like the, uh, the order page where you could see all the sales that we made and just feeling nothing and thinking <clears throat> like we've worked so hard to, to do this and it's helping so many people. I believe in this course that people purchased and we've earned so much money from selling it, but I felt just numb to the entire experience. And it was kind of an accumulation for me of just the entire year <clears throat> of feeling depressed and and numb with kind of setting new goals and then achieving them and just not feeling like I was getting where I wanted to go. So it brought on this sense of just depression and, and kind of emptiness. And when I started to realize that, and especially during that launch, I realized like this needs to change. And, and even looking back now, I look back and think that I barely saw any of my friends or family during that year. I just wasn't focused on my relationships with people. I don't know if I exercised at all the entire year. I did not eat healthy and really just let my entire life fall by the wayside in pursuit of this dream that didn't even bring me the the feeling that I thought I would. So it was kind of this accumulation of all of those things at once. But what a lesson you give us all in that you can take advantage of this privilege that we all have, which is called choice, right? You chose different. You chose to change rather than let this thing control you, this sadness take over. Um, You lifted yourself up. You literally just made a decision, right? You decided to kind of reorient where the attention was going in the business to focus on 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 you know giving back on doing a podcast to do that. So um you must and feel really were- proud about that, right? Because that's a pretty and then in such a short period of time. This is we're just talking last year you were in this low place and now you're you're turning things around. Yeah, and I do feel proud about that. I feel I mean, I think for everyone in business, there will be ups and downs regardless. And I just kind of see last year as a a down in certain ways, but also one of my biggest breakthroughs that I've had. And, um, and, and just giving me the ability to now share that story with other people who are potentially going through something similar or are seeing things all over the internet telling them that they should make more money or have a bigger email list and, and them feeling like, do I even want those things? And, and I guess I should chase them because everyone else is telling me that I should, but, um, using my story to hopefully kind of change that conversation so that people feel like they can pursue what's important to them rather than just following the, uh, kind of outside measure of success that they think they need to live up to. So this is a good time in the conversation now then to ask you, what is your money mantra? Do you have a financial philosophy now having gone through the experiences that you have experienced? Ooh, I like that question. Um, for me now, after going through that experience, I think it, it's very much that the more I focus on things that fulfill me and the more I focus on how can I help other people versus just how can I help myself and my own bank account, the money will come. 
I, and I really believe that, that if you just work hard and you focus on things that are really in line with your purpose, then, and you don't try and like grasp at making money and you don't try and like hold on to this idea with all your, your might, the money will eventually just show up for you and, and it'll keep showing up because you're focusing on the right things in your life rather than, um, trying to kind of grasp onto this thing that just ends up slipping away from you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Because ultimately what you're doing, I think in that equation, you're working hard, you're leading with purpose, you are creating stamina, you're building momentum. And so while the money may not come as rapidly in the beginning as the other formula, which is just to do things to make money, um, you're in it for the long run and you're going to have the stamina and then you're building that momentum. And so ultimately that money will not just start to trickle in, but it'll start to pour in at some point. And um, that's really, that's kind of the sweet spot, right? You're doing what you want to do. You feel in aligned with your purpose. You're having a good time and bonus, <laughs> you're making money. Right. Because the other model to me is just not sustainable. It's like you can make really good money for a year or two, but, but then what, like, are you going to be happy running a business that's not fulfilling you? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I also think that when you pursue your purpose and you really focus on the things that are meaningful and exciting to you and that, you know, like, this is what I want to be doing, not this is what I think I should be doing. People can see that and your community really resonates with that too. And, and this year I've gotten so many more comments and emails from people who, feel like they can connect to me on a really personal level. And they feel like they see that genuine side of me. Um, and I think a lot of that is because I am just like balls out. Here's just, here's me, you know, and, and I'm, I'm really living my purpose with my business and not, um, not worrying that I'm doing something that's misaligned and, and people can feel that and they want to be part of your community when that happens. So it's almost a snowball effect of you pursue what, would mean something to you and you attract more and more people who resonate with that vision too. You're an expert at building an online audience. You have hundreds of thousands, hundreds of hundreds of thousands of people who follow you on your newsletter, your email list, but also social media. So what's the key to doing that? Obviously it's time, you know, it takes time to build a community, but are there any hacks that you learn along the way for those of us listening who want to start to really engage more online and build an online community? For an email list, I think a really simple thing that you can do is if you're creating content that's valuable for people and solves some sort of problem for someone in your audience, then create some kind of freebie that goes along with that piece of content. So for you, Farnoosh, you create amazing podcast episodes. So even if you just kind of created a one-page cheat sheet or a bulleted list of some of the most important points from the episodes in, or from the, the comments in your episodes that would be really valuable for people to just exchange their email address for and be able to download and just kind of take with them. So whatever kind of content anyone listening is creating, you should be creating some kind of free incentive that people can download um, 
And that is just going to be a great way for you to grow your email list and get more of the right people on your list. Now, in order to do that successfully, you need some traffic coming into your website because if no one's seeing your your content or your podcast episodes, then it's harder to be able to get those people to sign up. So the thing we kind of touched on this earlier that really was the catalyst for my business's success is Pinterest. So I use Pinterest um, as a huge way to get traffic to my website. I see it as a search engine rather than a social media platform. So if anyone's familiar with search engine optimization, like SEO for Google, then basically just think of how could I apply these same strategies to Pinterest by using things like keywords and pinning valuable content and information onto Pinterest. And if you use some just very simple Pinterest strategies and you think of it that way, you can start getting a lot more traffic to your website. And then once you get that traffic, those people will see your incentives, download them, and you'll be able to grow your email list, which I think is just one of the most important assets to any business is having an email list. Well, that's interesting that you what you say about Pinterest, because I think the public perspective or or like here's how I think Pinterest is valuable to me. I go on there when I want to design a room in my home or throw a party and I want ideas. I totally. don't, you know, I don't think that people on Pinterest are, and this is probably where I'm wrong. I don't assume that they're going on there and they'll like be inspired to sign up for a course or join an email list that will give them information about, you know, online marketing or, or things like that. But you think that that's, misunderstanding. Totally. It's a big misconception um, and myth that people believe about Pinterest where they see it as like, well, I go there because I want wedding inspiration or a recipe for dinner tonight. And you totally can use it that way and people do, but there's also this huge group of tens of millions of people, if not hundreds of millions, who are using it to get information as they would on Google, but just in this more visual way. So I have students, I have a a course on Pinterest marketing and have students in that course who are in niches like sewing, finance, uh, business strategy, uh, yoga, pretty much anything that you can think of that maybe doesn't sound like a Pinterest topic or category, but can really get you a lot of traffic. Um, I have yet to find a niche or industry that doesn't work on Pinterest. It's really just how you create that angle for your content that fits the Pinterest platform. And that angle um, is basically just how can you create something that's valuable and informational and then pin it onto Pinterest? Because like Google, people are going on there to get answers to their questions and problems. So if you do that, then you can get a lot of traffic to your website from Pinterest. That is a truth. That is very compelling. I'm going to write them. I'm taking notes. I'm trying to talk yeah. and write and think at the same time. <laughs> you should definitely use Pinterest to promote your podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to you. think like, how can I take... Anyone listening out there, I do think I need a content manager that might be the next hire at my company. Just somebody to go through all the podcasts. We've got them all transcribed. We've obviously got all the audio clips and everything. I just feel like there's we need a, another way to get it out there than just iTunes. Um, maybe you can't hear it on Pinterest, but you can learn about it on Pinterest. 
So you've got my wheels turning, Melissa. Tell me a little bit more about your money history. So we talk often on this show about our upbringing and how that has influenced our financial Mm. lives as adults. So is there a money memory you have from growing up that you think was kind of, that kind of captures it for you, you know, in terms of how you were taught about money, how you learned about money and how it's, how it's impacted your life today? I don't know if I can think, well, I guess this kind of does have to do with with money and actually does inform how I feel about it now and probably was part of why I felt the way I did last year. But one of my earliest memories as a child was when I was about three, maybe four. And I was with my mom. She was a single mom um, who wasn't really earning very much money when she was raising me. And we, at that time, were living in a motel. So she was paying just the nightly motel rate for us to live there. And my earliest memory was the hotel manager coming to our room and and basically my mom and him yelling at each other because she wasn't able to continue paying the motel fee. And I think at that point, we were kind of behind on our, our payments to stay there. So we ended up getting kicked out of the motel. And I don't really remember what happened after that. Um, Maybe stayed with a family member or something. But that memory, I think, kind of wove itself throughout my childhood. And even now, as I'm running a business where I, I have this relationship with money where I always have this subconscious worry that it will, it will disappear. And I think that that, that mentality, um, kind of contributed to how I felt last year where it was like, I'm making all this money, but I need to make more because who knows what's going to happen. And at the end of last year, when I started to realize that that mindset was ruining my life, I, I decided to, to make shifts and really try and change that mentality so that I stopped feeling like I had this lack of, of resources and started trusting that the things were working out the way that they, they were supposed to and that that my money wasn't just going to disappear, that I was safe and secure. And and like I said, that if I just focus on giving and focus on following those things that are fulfilling to me, then the money would just continue to come. And it has, and, and my business continues to grow. Um, but that was a big lesson, just kind of realizing where those money mindset issues were coming from and how they were starting to inform my life as an entrepreneur. Wow. In some ways, though, would you say too that your upbringing, being raised um, the way you were, they're financially fragile, that that also in a good way inspired you to be very financially strong in your own life? Now, maybe that doesn't mean chasing money, but it does mean, you know, finding financial balance and security and being your own boss. Yes, absolutely. Um, I definitely think that I. I have a good mindset around money where um, I'm good with spending, good with saving, don't have any debt and never have, and um, and really just set up systems to make sure that I never fall into that place that I, I grew up in. Um, so it, de- it definitely does have good aspects to it as well. Was there ever a failure that you experienced related to money? I would say you could... You may have already captured this for us in the sense that you there was a period of time where you were you found, you caught yourself in the act of trying to chase the dollar signs. Um, but besides that, was there anything else that 
was a very hard lesson for you, hard lesson learned from about money? Hmm. I don't know that I would say <clears throat> failure, but I think one of the harder lessons that I learned was was learning to invest in myself. I was always okay with like little investments here and there, but I think kind of just growing up the way I did, it was hard for me to invest in like consulting with people or masterminds where it's more expensive and um, really getting to that point where I could just pay for something and not ever have to worry about it. And, and just know that that investment was going towards my learning or was just going towards growing my business in some way. So I've definitely gotten through that mindset and really see the value in investing in, in people and things that are going to be useful for my business. But that was also a little thing for me to move through was just paying for things that are a little bit more than the average expense, which as you grow your business, I'm sure you know that um, you'll start paying. Yeah, it's important. Facebook ads cost money. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) In order to move the needle, you can't just throw $50 at it. If you can, and it's successful for you, you can make a lot of money on that strategy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I want to learn all about it. (laughs) What would you say is your so money moment? Ooh, yeah. my so money moment. So money moment. Like all the financial stars aligned. You felt really proud. It was a really proud money moment for you. Yeah. I think it would have been earlier this year when we we did our fundraiser. Uh, we did it for Pencils of Promise, which builds schools in developing countries for, for children. And during that fundraiser, we raised about $100,000 from my community. But I also wanted to, as kind of this, um, for me at least, this this spiritual and this um, almost like, uh, what's the word, like subconscious way to move out of that mindset that I was in in 2016, I wanted to make a donation myself of $20,000. So uh, we matched donations up to 20,000. And I remember when I made that donation and I was like kind of nervous and felt the adrenaline because it was uh, one of the most expensive things that I'd, I'd ever purchased at that time. And especially something that wasn't directly benefiting my business. It wasn't like I was investing in a mastermind or Facebook ads. It was something that I was really just giving to another organization that I thought was doing great work. And that really, um, that moment where maybe there was a little fear beforehand of, oh my gosh, this is a lot of money to really just hitting the the donate button and feeling afterwards this major feeling of abundance and realizing that nothing changed in my life. I didn't suddenly become financially insecure. I didn't have to worry about paying my bills. And it really was all just in my head about being able to donate that much money to an organization. Um, and And since then, it's really help me with with donating to other organizations and to just seeing the bigger picture of my business and expenses and things like that where um i i realized just the value of donating and and giving back and realizing that it's not actually negatively impacting my business at all and and in fact is a really positive thing to be able to do the more you give the more you get. I totally believe that. Before we wrap up here, Melissa would love to ask you, what is your money, your money habit? Do you have a money habit that you practice daily or weekly that helps with your money management or just feeling in alignment with your money values? Yeah. So I actually got this idea from Denise Duffield Thomas and 
what she recommends is basically it's a, a daily practice to help you almost see a see how much money you're you're making in your business and in your life and B, to to stop grasping onto this idea of making money and just let things flow and just be open to receiving money and, and value in your life. So what she suggests is creating a spreadsheet for every day, every month of, of the year and every day going in and tracking how much money are you bringing in in your business and then how much value are you attracting? So in the money column, I just simply put the revenue that we bring in each day. And in the value column, I put in things like if someone gave me a free smoothie or if somebody gave me one of their courses for free or whatever it is, if I got something of value for free, then you would put the value of that in that column. And then each day you can see like, wow, you're probably bringing in more money and more value than you really think. Because um, especially as women, we have this mindset that we have to do more. We we never have enough money, um, and we have to keep kind of grasping at this idea of of making more. But as I've started doing this spreadsheet that I've actually been doing for a couple of years now, I've started to see that the money is just flowing, right? It's just coming in, and and almost the more that I see that, the more I kind of manifest that more money will come, and and I change those subconscious limiting beliefs that I had about myself and about making money, and that has really helped me to get to this this better place of knowing that um, I'm bringing in money every day, and it just flows into my business. I really like the concept of writing down things that may not have been, it may not have been like a check that was given to you or cash money, but something that was valuable um, because that really opens up your world. You know, you get to really see how, how uh, grateful we should be and how generous the world really is. You know, like it's not just about the money. I really like that a lot. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, and and like you said, it's not just about the money; it's it's about the other things that we attract too. So much value, right? All the resources, all the help. Um, and by the way, Denise Duffield Thomas is a friend of the show here on So Money. She was guest three ninety nine. So for those listening who want to hear more of that amazing advice, please check out episode 399. It is an explicit episode because Denise has a potty mouth and she's a lot of fun. Uh, Not too crazy. She doesn't like curse like a sailor. She doesn't curse like crazy, but she is... um, I think her her podcast is called like... Oh gosh, something like... um, here, I'll tell you in a second. The Lucky Bitch Podcast. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds right. (laughs) So there, there is that to look forward to. (laughs) Uh Yeah, she's all right. Melissa, let's do some so money fill in the blanks. Cool. Let's do it. Okay. This is like start a sentence. You fill it really fast. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say a hundred million bucks. The first thing I would do is Mm, start a foundation. All right. Who would you help? I'd like to focus on educational charities, charities that are helping people in other countries that are wanting to have an education, but but can't for whatever reason. And I kind of came to that conclusion after um, deciding like, which charity should we be helping? Because I feel like when people have an education, they're educated, it solves every other problem in the world. So most issues are just as a result of lack of education. I agree. That'd be great. The next Pencils of Promise, perhaps the next Oprah school. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. There you go. Uh, All right. One thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? 
Oh, uh, always getting my food delivered, either whether it's from a restaurant or it's my groceries. I just never really go and buy food, which makes me sound so lazy, but definitely adds no, to the efficiency. No, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. Okay, Everything good. that can, if, if you can get delivered to my house, I will pay for it. Yes. Most, <laughs> most often. Um, cause time is money, right? And then getting yeah. in the car and like, or in our case, like hopping on a subway or getting a cab or whatever. I mean, if I can walk there and it's a nice day, that's one thing, but I, I right. hear you. I hear you, lady. Yeah. The grocery trips end up becoming like this two hour stroll of me just walking. And then you down buy every things aisle. that you don't really need cause yeah. you're there and you, get, <laughs> you know, there's so much marketing, some savvy oh, totally. marketing agenda <laughs> that's like, all in the background that, you know, right. Um, impulse buying. Okay. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is I wish I learned more about saving for things like retirement or investing. I feel like I just completely skipped that chapter of life and am now playing catch up with, uh, saving for retirement and investing in things. I didn't know that about you, that you grew up poor Really, I mean, living in a motel with your with your single mom—that's that had to have been uh, that had to have forced you to grow up quite fast. I would imagine um, yeah. you don't you don't grow up taking things for granted. And then, how was it like with amongst your friends? Um, mm. did, did, and so, this is sort of a sidebar here, but I wanted to, maybe I should have asked this earlier, but. Um, I can't let go of that image in my mind of your mom arguing with the guy at the motel. And, you know, what was that? What kind of psychological impact did that have on you growing up as a kid? Did you feel different? I I didn't really feel different until I was outed as being different. And I remember this one experience. I think it was in like seventh grade. And my best friend at the time lived in this this nicer area of San Diego where, where we both lived and um, invited her over to my house one day where we lived in this smaller apartment and um, not so great area. And after that, her mom basically forbade her from from hanging out with me again. And, and I'd gone to their house many times and, um, kind of knew them, but because of where I lived, it was kind of like a, an off limits friend to have now kind of just, I think she said that she thought I would be a bad influence. And that to me kind of started this mindset of, I guess I'm different because we live here because we don't have very much money. And I think I mean, it was definitely hard growing up with those circumstances, but now I I look back on those those moments and feel grateful for them because as I'm creating a community online, I feel like I'm very empathetic to other people's needs and experiences and can really see from from their perspective and how they're feeling and, and can understand how they're feeling. And I think that even though it was hard growing up in certain ways, it's definitely helped me just in terms of creating a more um, organic, vulnerable community online too. But yeah, that was definitely there. Can you imagine growing up in the opposite household, in that woman's household who told her child she couldn't hang out with you? Imagine mm-hmm. that child's perspective right. on money Absolutely. and self-worth and, you know, all that. I think that you definitely had the better end of the stick there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And the kind of interesting thing was 
Um, my dad, he, he lives in Orange County and I didn't see him too much when I was growing up, um, maybe once a month or so, but I ended up moving to his house for high school. So I lived with him. He's an attorney. He makes good money. He lives in a nice house in a nice neighborhood. Um, he's remarried to somebody that I think is, is really great. And, um, so I moved to his house in high school thinking like, this is again, that same mindset of this is, this is going to be great. This is going to be it. This is where I will be happy and, and I'll have the life that I've always wanted. I've seen these other kids have because it's, um, just this life of more privilege. And I ended up not being happy there either. Um, and there were there are other reasons for that, just not really getting along with my family and um, certain other personal family reasons that I will take too long to get into. But um, I guess it was also kind of this this wake up moment that nothing outside of my life, nothing else will ever bring me happiness. It's really just the happiness that I cultivate internally. So it kind of led me on that path to realizing that as well, that regardless of whether I'm poor or have money, that's not what's going to to bring me happiness. It's almost been this like lifelong thing about wow. money where yeah. I'm starting to realize like money is not hmm. the point. <laughs> well, I'm glad we got it all figured out here on the podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah. You are now complete you know <laughs> life you is a work much. in progress it is um yeah. and and we thank you for sharing your stories with us melissa and last but not least before we have you go finish the sentence i'm melissa griffin i'm so money because because i care about helping other people feel financially secure enough to live the life that they want to live Thank you so much, Melissa. Really appreciate you coming on the show and tell us more about your podcast, your website. Give us all the give us all the goods. Yeah. So my website is just my name, melissagriffin.com. And it's got a funky spelling. It's Melissa with a Y. So melissagriffin.com. I've got all my courses there. I've got a lot of uh, blog posts and podcast episodes and just started my podcast a few months ago. It's called Pursuit with Purpose. And that people can find at pursuitwithpurpose.com. But it's very much uh, interviews with people that I admire and that I think can help entrepreneurs live a really well-rounded, happy, balanced life. So needed. Congrats to you. Thank you so much again. Thank you so much, Varnoosh. Have an amazing day. Thanks so much to Melissa for sharing her insights with us. Her website is Melissa Griffin. And Melissa is with a Y. SSA. She's also on Twitter at Melissa underscore Griffin. If you missed any of this, just hop over to SoMoneyPodcast.com. As always, you've got all the goodies there for you, the transcript. And if you have a question for me, just click on Ask Farnoosh, send me your money question, and we'll add it to the list of our questions for the Friday episode. And by the way, if you're looking to co-host with me, I'm always on the hunt for the next person to take the hot seat with me and sift through all our money questions. If you're brave and bold and got some money perspectives, I'd love to have you on the show. Let me know while you're asking Farnoosh that you'd like to co-host with me as well. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day is so money. Money.